Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. All right, uh, Joe, thank you for a great lesson. Did I just encourage you there? All right, let's do that continually, right? Great lesson, very practical. We thank you so much. Well delivered. And Brennan, uh, he's going to come and he's going to teach our adult Bible class and auditorium t- today, and we're so very thankful to him. So you're interning at the Nesbitt Church, and then you'll uh, pray about what you're going to do for the future and put out some feelers and applications and those sorts of things. So our prayers will be with you and your family. We're looking forward to it. So uh, he'll speak, and we'll have two bells. And on the, the first bell means you have five minutes, and the second bell, uh, well, it's, it's time to stop. Lunch is around the corner. So, uh, all right, at this time, uh, Brennan's going to come and teach our class. If you will, please turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And our goal this morning is we're going to be looking at Christ's famous refutation of the Pharisees and the Jews there. We read in chapter 8. And we're going to learn how we can follow Christ by keeping and continuing in his words and the words that he taught. We see in the book of John, that throughout the whole book, he is refuting the Gnostics. That is one of the main purposes for the writing of the book. These people, the Gnostics, who said that Christ was not God, maybe not that he was even the Son of God, they may have said that he was a teacher, but they denied the deity of Christ. And John strongly preached that he was, in fact, God throughout the entire book. We see here throughout verses 12 through the end of the chapter 59, where we'll be looking this morning, that there are three camps which Jesus the Christ defeated and refuted. First, those who refused Christ altogether, even as a teacher. Those who said that this man was a blasphemer, he would refute them. Those who would say that he was a teacher may be a good man, a good man to follow after, but he was not deity. These people would be refuted. And thirdly, those who refused to obey Jesus, even though they believed maybe who he was, they believed some of the things he was saying, but they were not disciples indeed. They did not obey. These are the people who are going to be refuted here. Throughout our book today, we know many people who they do believe. They believe in Jesus. They believe who Jesus says he is. But that is where their belief stops. That is where their effort stops. And as James would say, they do well. But he would also say the demons do well. I mean, the demons believe, yet they tremble. So we know that that by itself is not enough. The Lord has commanded that we are to be disciples indeed, as we see in verse 31, which we will look at soon. When I read this text, I'm reminded of maybe what we would see on TV sometimes, some televised 
debate or some opponent is speaking against his other opponent. And instead of making logical arguments, they just go straight for the man. They just attack the man. And this is what we see the Pharisees doing throughout this chapter. They were ganging up on Jesus. They were surrounding him and they were trying their best to insult him, to catch him as they often did. But Jesus, the master logician, the master teacher, the master debater, he would put them all in their place, so to say. If you will, let's read verse 12 to start. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. First, we notice that Jesus is not just a light. As the text says, he is the light. He's the only light. Jesus, throughout his entire ministry, and especially towards the end of his ministry, he would pound this idea that he is the only way to get salvation, to get the spiritual benefits. The only way was to believe in him. And only through him could we have these benefits. We see throughout Jesus' life that he was the perfect example, a perfect light for us to follow. He was light that any man can and should follow. He's not even like our great sun in the universe which shines on half of the world and then sets for the other half. Our sun is shining day and night. 24-7, we can see his glory and his light, the light that we must follow. I'm reminded of John 1, 4, and 5, where he, where John wrote, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Those who live in darkness, they do not wish to follow after it, to follow after the light. That's what many of these people here in this assembly was. If we look at the context of, uh, Chapter 8. We look through verses 1 through 11. We see where Jesus was in fact being a light. He, <clears throat> he found the plot of the Jews, which they were trying to catch Jesus by taking this adulterous woman and saying, what are you going to do, Jesus? Are you going to condemn her? Are you going to break the law? Or are you going to let her live? They are trying to put him in a lose-lose situation, but he exposed their darkness which was in them. He said, He that is without sin cast the first stone. And all of them, one by one, what did they do? They left. They knew that their intentions were not pure. He snuffed out the darkness. And then we see that he called this woman, the adulterous woman, to lie. He said, Go thy way and sin no more. He showed that he was the light of the world. Now let's look in verses 13 through 20. Verses 13 through 20. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, There bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Thou I bear a record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But you cannot tell whence I came and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. 
I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me bear witness of me. Then said they unto them, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. We see that they quickly are opposed to what Jesus has said, that he is the light. They quickly claim that he has no proof for what he said. He said, you're just saying that about yourself. You're testifying for yourself. But Jesus said that he is indeed the light. He was credible because he knew where he came from. They had no idea where he came from. They had their false ideas. But he knew that he was heaven sent. He says over and over again, I am from the Father. The Father has sent me. This message is from the Father. There's not anyone who could have more credibility than the Son of God with the Father on his side. He came from heaven and that was where he would return to, as he said. These Pharisees were often confused, mostly because the Messiah that did come was not at all what they had expected. They expected an earthly king, a man who could put off the Romans, a man who could help them to establish their kingdom once again so they could return to their physical glory. But that is not the man who came. The man who came was the man, the light of the world, who would save them from their sins, who would set them free from their spiritual Bondage, as we will read, which we will read very soon. Even within their parameters, Jesus says, verse 15, he says that my statement is completely backed up. I have two witnesses, he would say. I have myself, I'm credible, and the Father, you better believe he is credible, the one who is over all, the Father. But he also said, if we look in John chapter 5, he gives us not two witnesses, but four witnesses. If we look in John 5, verses 31 through 47, it reads, If I bear witness on myself, my witness is not true. Therefore is another that beareth witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. He sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I testify not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have ne- neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding abiding in you. For whom he hath sent him, ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And yet you will not come to me, that ye might have life. So we see it said, John the Baptist, which you listened to for a time, he bore witness of me, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He bore witness of me. I am bearing witness of myself through my works, through the miracles that they had already seen. 
and yet they had the audacity to say, you have no credibility in your statement, when he had literally healed in their sight. He had the witness of the Father. Even at his baptism, we, the words of the Father himself said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And also the Scriptures. These Scriptures which they were supposed to be studying for their whole lives, probably from their childhood, they should have been memorizing, as we sometimes do our Bible, memorizing these Scriptures, learning what they mean, They were supposed to be doing this, but they did not recognize that these scriptures that they had studied their whole life was pointing to the man that stood in front of them. And yet they did not realize that. We see in verse 16 that he claims that he is the superior judge. The judge who makes righteous judgment, the judge who is not doing as they do just in the flesh, but he is doing judgment that is righteous because it comes from the Father. <clears throat> Through the signs that he had performed, he had already shown that he was from the Father. This is something that they even said that they could not deny, but yet they denied the man. Even they could not deny the works. Verse 19, they wanted to know where the witness Jesus spoke of. They said, where is this man? Where is your father? Perhaps they were thinking of his physical father at this time, but they were mocking him, and they did not even consider the spiritual aspect of what the Lord had said. I'm sure it was. It could have been very obvious if they had thought about it, that he was speaking of the father. But they would come to realize this very soon. We know that light, as he says he is the light of the world, it is by its very nature a witness of itself. It reveals and it shows throughout. It makes all things known. And it makes all things seen. We see in verse 20, we read, These words, these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he ought in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. And that is a phrase that we read throughout the book of John. Thine hour has not yet come. We see that in chapter 2, verse 4, chapter 7, verse 30, chapter here in 8, 20, in chapter 12, 23, and verse 27, and chapter 13, verse 1. Throughout all of his ministry, This was something that was emphasized, that his hour had not yet come. It was all building towards something. It was all accumulating towards something grand. You know, of course, that would be his death and his resurrection. And that would have to come at a particular time. The light had to burn until that time. It would not be put out until he said it would be put out. And though these men, they wanted to stone him, they they withheld themselves from doing that for this time. If we read verses 21 through 27, we see the attitude of the Pharisees as we continue on through this, this dialogue. Verses 21 through 27. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and ye shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. 
Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whether I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said there, uh, therefore unto you, That ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, Ye shall die in your sins. Then they said unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. And they understood not that he spake to them of the Father. But in our modern language, they may have asked something like, who do you think you are speaking like this? Perhaps when you're saying, I am he, or I am, they're saying, who are you speaking of? They're trying to understand what he was saying. And if they did, they were furious of what he was saying. Who do you think you are? And he boldly says, I am from the Father. I am the Son of God. He confidently answered, I already told you from the beginning. It was not something he was hiding at all. It was something that he had plainly spoken from the beginning. Jesus had said in his past that there would be some who do reject the light. We read in John 3, 18 through 21. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So Jesus already knew he expected that there would be men who would reject light because they love darkness. Can you imagine choosing to live in darkness over light. He's saying, I won't pay the light bill this month. It's fine. I like the darkness anyway. I prefer the dark. Or maybe whenever you've been driving late at night, especially on a back road, you just decided, you know, I think I'll turn off my headlight tonight. I might just save a little bit of power. How often or how long will we last on that road before we are literally veering off and crashing into something? We need the light as a necessity. And it's something that we need to choose. Jesus said if they did not receive the light, they would die in their sins. This is not only a warning, but a plea. We know that life without the I am, the one who is self-existent, there is nothing but death. He is the only one who can grant us eternal life because he is eternal. <clears throat> In every single circumstance that we see, Jesus, as these people are talking vile things to him as they call him vile things, his example still shines. And he shows us how we should stand for the truth. When we are teaching the truth, it is not going to always be easy. There's going to be people who are hurt that we are teaching the things we teach. They are going to be <clears throat> offended and they are going to try to just attack us possibly. But 
we have an example of how we need to stand our ground, stand in the truth, but also stand in love. This is something we see throughout the life of Jesus. The light is what reveals the world, the things of the Father. We know that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And we have contact through our Father because of Him, solely through Him. The source of the message that Jesus proclaimed, as he said, is the Father. And all that Jesus did, verse 28 and 29, he said, All of this is I all this I am doing, all this I have done, is only to please the Father. We understand in our culture, if a father was to give instructions to his son, then that son would then bear some authority. For instance, if my father told my brother to tell me to do something. If I say, I'm not going to listen to you, you're my brother, you might say, well, our daddy said to do so. I better then listen. If I don't, I might get in trouble. But we understand that concept that since the Father had given authority to Jesus on earth, he had all authority, all authority to teach, all authority to command us what to do. We see here in this first part of this discussion that we see a conditional promise that if you follow this light, it will bring you the light of life. That is a conditional thing. And following is a continual action. As we saw in verse 12 earlier, the ETH at the end of follow, following is a continual thing, something that we must do daily as we are to lift up our cross and daily follow him, Luke 9.23. The light has never shined brighter than it did on that day, the day of Calvary, and the three days after when he rose from the dead, our Lord shined so bright that all men have to consider the fact. There is all evidence that he is the Son of God. There is, we have no doubt that he is who he said he was and that he was sent from the Father. Next we look at the, a second conditional promise in verse 31, in verse 30-36. Let's read verses 30-36. Chapter 8. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou that ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin, is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. The son therefore shall make you free. He shall be free indeed. This 
conditional promise we see is if you continue in the word, the truth will set you free. If you continue, much like follow a continual thing. And we must continue in his word. You see that he says, if you do these things, you'll be my disciples indeed. A true disciple. A disciple indeed. A truth. The existence of a true disciple means that there must be such a thing as a fake disciple. I wonder if any of us have ever met a fake disciple. One who, like some of these here, they believe some of the things that Jesus was saying. They, In their hearts, in their minds, they were believing it. They were actually believing the words of Jesus even though they were surrounded by some who did not. But Jesus said to them, that if you're my disciples indeed, if you wish to follow me, you must continue in my words. This belief was not enough. You notice that believing does not make you a true disciple, which is contrary to what many would what many would say today. They would say, "I believe that Jesus Jesus is the Son of God," and then they say that they could confess their sins to Him and be saved. That is not what we read. That is not what has been taught to us by the Lord. He says, "If you continue in My words, you are My disciples indeed." True disciples indeed demand that there are some who are who think they are disciples, but they are fake disciples. The truth is what makes us free. It makes what makes us free today. It is what liberated us and is what will continue to liberate. We so we see that many of these Jews they argued, they said, We were never in bondage. What are you talking about? We were never in bondage to any man. They were probably very insulted by this. They were probably very proud and arrogant. But how sad is it to see a crowd of men who were chained with bonds. They were chained. Yet they're saying, I'm free. I'm not bound. I am free. Historically speaking, this would be a very ignorant statement for the Jews to make. Anyway, of course, we know that they were bound by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians. They were, even under the, at that time, they were under Rome where they could not do whatever they wished they could do. They were literally bound by nearly every nation that came through. Yet they're saying, we had not been bound by anyone. But Jesus tells them of their spiritual bondage. He says that the one that sinneth, he is a servant to sin. And we know that that is how sin works. The world may say that I'm going to be free to do what I want. I am free to do all these pleasures. Look how liberated I am that I get to do all these things make me happy. But Christ says that is not liberty at all, but that is being chained to the world, to the sins that you love so much. You know, of course, that once we sin and we continue to be in sin, that it binds us more and more. Its grip gets tighter and tighter. It makes us want to do it more and more and more often. It will never let up if we do not allow ourselves to be free, if we do not come to the one who holds the key, the one who has the ability to free us, 
Jesus the Christ. Jesus was holding the key saying, I am here to set you free. And they're saying, we're not bound. We've not been bound by any man. Of course, they were speaking, they were thinking physically as well. But their attitudes were not, were not open. Their hearts were hardened. We read verses 37 through 40, we read of how they thought more about this. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, Jesus said, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with my father. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. And Jesus said, You think you're a son of Abraham? You're sure not acting like it. First of all, they were not believing what he said. As we see in the in Hebrews 11, where Abraham, he had faith, and he followed God. He trusted God, and he had belief. We see in James 2 that by works he was justified. These men had neither. They were not believing in him. They were not doing the things he said. He said, you're not acting like your father. And they were not acting like him at all. In fact, they were... Trying, trying to kill an innocent man just because he spoke them things that were true. In fact, Jesus could make the statement, especially because he could see into them. He could see into their souls and he knew that they were not believing in his word at all. He did contrast between their father and his father. If we look in verses 41 through 47, we'll see the contrast of two fathers. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Then Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word? <clears throat> ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's word, ye thereof hear him. Hear them not, because ye are not of God. By their actions they were showing that they were not of God, but they were, in fact, of the devil. Jesus boldly tells them, you are not just a sin, you are not just a slave to sin at this point. You're acting like a son of Satan. Very harsh words, but they were true and they were needed to be said. Those who are of God, they love and they love the truth. But these people were showing that they had despised the truth. 
Jesus, again, he emphasizes that his father is God. And he keeps nailing this point deep into their minds because they just won't get it. But eventually they would. They did not understand because they did not want to receive his word. They refused to understand. They did not want to receive this. They had hardened their hearts. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. As they had murderous hearts, even at this time, they had the desire to kill him. They had thought about it earlier, and we are going to see later that they are going to try to again. There is no truth in Satan. Just as they would not accept the truth, they did not want any truth to enter into them. They, Satan is a liar, just as they were lying, even at that very present moment. And they knew that he... They knew that Christ was out, without fault. They knew that Christ spoke the truth, but they refused to believe it. They refused to believe the truth. We know that Satan was a liar from the very start, from the beginning, and he continues to be a liar to this very day. And he continues to lie, and he continues to try to snatch the truth out of people's hearts. He does not want them to come to the truth. The only thing that they had in response to this was racist insults. We've seen in verses prior that they said that he was born of fornication. They were not only insulting him, but his family, his mother. We see here in verse 48. They answered the Jews and said to him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. They're making this racial comment, this thing that they thought was a great insult. Of course, Jesus would not be insulted by this. He loved all the people. But they claimed that he had a demon, that he was just a Samaritan. They were saying basically anything they could to refute the truth, which of course they could not. They had nothing they could say of any merit. All they could do was just insult the man. But we see that they had more than, in more than one occasion, they had claimed that he had a demon. They said this even to response of him casting out demons and doing miracles. We read in Matthew 12, 22 through 27, you will turn there with me. Matthew 12, 22 through 27. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him inasmuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But then the Pharisees heard it. They said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebul, the prince of the devils or demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But we see that they said, you could only do this because you are of Beelzebub, or they were trying their best to refute the miracle he had done. Of course, of course, Jesus uses sound logic when they could not. He says, why would I do this if I was of a devil, if I was of a demon? But they would not continue in his words. 
even those who had believed some of the things he had said, they would not continue. They would not become disciples indeed at this time, at least. And now we look throughout verses 51 through the end of the chapter. We see a third conditional promise. If you keep my word, you will never see death. Let's read verses 51 through 53 of John 8. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil, because Abraham is dead. And the prophets, as and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who makest thou thyself? You see in verse 51, he says that if you keep my saying, you will never taste death. You see this word, saying is the same word, logos, as word, as we read in verse 31. It's the same idea of we keep his word, if you keep his saying. This is how we obtain eternal life. But we understand that this eternal life, it's not a physical thing. It's not like the Holy Grail. It's not some... Uh, fountain of youth that is much greater than that. I don't think I would be very interested in eternal life here on earth. In fact, I know I wouldn't. That does not sound fun to me. But eternal life in the next place, in heaven, there is nothing greater than that. You read uh, by historians throughout the first century in times like this, they even mock Christians for having this belief. They said they think they're going to live forever. Some of them are even dying here, but they think they're going to live forever. But they didn't understand what the teaching truly was. These same people who were martyred, these people that were mocked, they are living forever. They still are living. And they're in paradise, living in the best place that they can. This life is promised to us. It is promised to anyone who would keep his word. The Jews, of course, they were furious at this statement. They were appalled that Jesus would claim to be greater. They said, you think you're greater than Abraham? Of course, they valued their heritage to Abraham more than pretty much anything, more than even their keeping of the law. They said, I'm a son of Abraham. Look how great I am. And they asked if Jesus is greater than him. If we think about this, Abraham would have been dead and buried for about 2,000 years. The equivalent, if I or someone to claim, I'm greater than the apostles. I'm greater than Paul. I'm sure that many would have objections to that. I would myself. That is not an accurate statement. But that is what it would be like to claim that you're someone so many great things. What Jesus was about to proclaim would be, in their eyes, the highest form of blasphemy. This is what this all is leading to. We read in verses 54 and 55 that Jesus did not have to honor himself, but God honored him. That God was the one that gave him honor. Only the self-existent one, who we're going to read of in here in a moment, he is the only one who can grant this 
eternal life because he is from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus even tells them in verse 56 and 57 that he has seen Abraham say, how is this? How is this? You're not even 50 years old and yet you've seen Abraham? And then he would drop the bombshell on them. Let's read verses 58 and 59. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going to the midst of them, and so passed by. And Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. I have always been, as we read in John 1, 1 through 5, that he was from beginning. He always existed. Not a single thing that was made was made without his hand in it. He was the self-existent one. He was mine. And it blows my mind that there are some who say that Jesus never claimed to be a deity when he said, I am. I and my Father are one. No man could ever say that he did not claim to be divine. He had all authority since he was God to teach his truth. He had all authority. And this same man, this I am, he is willing, he is able to free us. The people of this world, they have no hope. And they can't even explain the beginning of this world. They have to come up with all sorts of theories. People have studied it all their lives that they can't. And our Lord answered the beginning of time with two words. I am. And that is all he needs to say on the matter. He is and he always will be, and that is why we are here. This man, the Son of God, the man who gives us these conditional promises, who wants to give us eternal life, who wants to free us, who wants to give us a light of life. He said in John twelve thirty two, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And he was indeed lifted up from the earth. As he said, it would prove when he was resurrected, it would prove he was a son of God, and he was. And he ascended into the heavens. And he will draw all men unto him. I'm so thankful that Jehovah God, the I Am, has given us his word that we can keep and study every day. We have this word we can bring to others so that they may also have this eternal life. Thank you so much for your time. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.